Hi, I'm Sally Kirkman from sallykirkman.com and I'm here today with my friend, fellow astrologer, Christina Rodenbeck from oxfordastrologer.com. And together we are Astrology Talk Podcast and we're here again this month to talk to you about Aquarius season and the astrology that's coming up in the month ahead. But first, we're going to take a little look at what's been going on, um, which is retrodiction, looking back at the astrology that's been in the past month and how that's played out. And of course, we've had Mercury retrograde. So how's it been for you, Christina? How are you and how have things been? I'm very well, actually. Um, the I really found Christmas very calm and, uh, you know, uh, it was felt like a, a kind of quite a restful um, period. And then since the beginning of January, it's all been go, but in a fairly smooth way, all few technical technology problems. Um, my friend had a really weird Mercury retrograde thing, which was that her email basically got cancelled, an email that she's had since the late 90s. <laughs> um, this is Virgin. And apparently they have a rolling program of cancelling the stuff. They just, you know, forgot to tell her. Uh, but that's just, it's so major to lose all of your email for decades of, you know, as she put it, broken love affairs, um, you know, job, work that you, you know, whatever, colleagues, even people who die, you know, all of that is on the email. If you're uh, like some of us and do vertical filing filing in other words that your email is your file <laughs> um so i thought that was an incredible kind of mercury retrograde i mean it it goes across her first house and second house um but a mercury retrograde at this end stage of pluto and capricorn as well so mercury you know has gone out of capricorn it's coming back in um this retrograde has gone between Sagittarius and Capricorn. And we're at this very end stage of the last 15 years, you know, and things are being swept up, tidied up. And I can feel that already. I'm also really feeling the pull of the next big astrology coming already, which is obviously the Pluto's ingress into Aquarius. Um, but we we mustn't be previous. We mustn't get there yet. So retrodiction, basically everything going along fine, trying not to look too much at the terrible news um, <clears throat> uh, because it's so catastrophic and trying not to get too anxious about the year ahead uh, because I think actually there's a lot of really good astrology coming up. I feel really positive about the year ahead, uh, although it's dangerous tides as well. Agreed, really. A big year and it's, I mean, we've got some of the big astrology happening. Um, just to kind of say what my Mercury retrograde was about. I mean, I got a really bad cold, actually, um, which did change things. It lasted kind of, in fact, it's only just going. I'm just noticing that it's just going. Um, so it's been the whole time that Mercury was retrograde. And that did change things. I mean, it, it changed my schedule. It meant that I had to cancel a lot of stuff. I had to hibernate, you know, more than usual. So I mean, that was very classic. And there was one day, I think, which wasn't long after Mercury turned retrograde and I was on the road. I had a cold. I went out. I had a flat time. My car, everything got pushed back time-wise. So there was this sense of, you know, that usual kind of, okay, things need to change. I need to be flexible. 
But I kind of, being an astrologer, I actually, there's a bit of me that, you know, it's just, okay, here we go. Here's Mercury retrograde. It's, I get less irritable because I I find it quite amusing, (laughs) if that makes sense. I'm like, it's like, well, it fits. You know, it was going to be not as I planned. I was going to have to sort of change and and whatever. So, um, you know, again, it helps having the astrologer's eyes on things, doesn't it? Um, you feel kind of like you're more in tune and in flow with life, which I love. I love that. Yeah, just being flexible. I, that's what Mercury retrograde, retrograde demands, isn't it? I, I have to say that mutable signs probably find it a lot easier than fixed signs. Um, and mutable signs are, you know, Pisces, Gemini, Virgo, maybe Virgo not so much, um, Sagittarius. We go with the flow, you know. Uh, I had a lot of like old you know, over the Christmas period, like my sister came, um, someone that, you know, another friend came to stay. So we had quite a full house, which was incredibly pleasant. And it felt like a very traditional Christmas, which was kind of what I was expecting again, as an astrologer, because of all the Mercury retrograde and everything. And it was just delightful. We played charades. Oh, my Lord, lovely. I know. I know. My daughter had to do uh, Roger's the thesaurus and she did um tyrannosaurus and my other daughter guessed it <laughs> so she did the entire destruction of the of the dinosaurs with the comet hitting the earth and wandered around with her little hands in front like a t-rex so that was pretty good <laughs> oh sweet that's too cute yeah we did have a big family time as well we had a family time um, and I think, you know, there's also, I like it when you get the full moon in Cancer, the family sign, which often, often falls around Christmas. It was just a couple of days later, wasn't it? So yeah, it was very family oriented and we played a lot of games as well. I think it's the best way if you can, you know, so nice. And then I was just with my daughter and chilling out as well. But I agree with you what you were saying about the start of the year, you know, that has, um, you know, we were saying this as astrologers, Mercury turned direct on the second, Mars entered Capricorn on the fourth, and there was this go, go, go feel. And I think that's still very evident in the astrology. There's this forward pull, isn't there? Um, So, you know, as we move into Aquarius season, it does feel as if there's definitive endings, particularly with that Sun-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, 29 degrees Capricorn on January the 20th, just before sneaking into Aquarius. But there's still this, things are kind of powering up, steaming forward. So we're moving into Aquarius season. Shall we talk a little bit about Aquarius, the star sign? Yeah, it's the 11th uh, sign of the zodiac. And it's represented by a, a person, or depending on what symbol you're using, it's the water bearer. Not it's not a water sign, obviously. Um, it's an air sign, and I always like to. I mean, I think it's a fascinating sign. It's incredibly complex. Uh, it's one of these signs that people like to sort of package off and sort of simplify. And actually, it's a complex sign. So you know, I think of it as Aquarius, both the carrier of water, uh, in the Latin sense but also the Aquarius, the person who designs the actual aqueducts. So it's the, both an architect and the most humble person as well. 
And that already makes it complex. And of course, it's complex because it's got two rulers. It's got the ruler Uranus is the modern ruler and Saturn is the traditional ruler of Aquarius. Yeah, which are opposites, aren't they, really? You know, they, they couldn't be more different, Saturn and Uranus. Saturn is very much tradition, kind of convention, steadiness. And Uranus is this erratic, unpredictable, innovative energy. I always think of Saturn with its, you know, having its roots in the past and Uranus is is looking to the future, wants to move forward. So I think with some Aquarians, the, there can be this pull between the two. At its best, when you've got these opposites, then you want to bring them together to complement them. And, you know, you can have the kind of the hippie new age type of Aquarius, but you also have the type who's good with systems and organization. And how can you bring those together in a way, those two different energies, Um so, so yeah, but just such different planetary archetypes, aren't they, Saturn and Uranus? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think they have a lot of crossover. I mean, there's, they're, they're science-y, you know, and they're both, uh, you know, but they're just science-y in different ways. You know, Saturn is the scientific method in a way, if you wanted to be uh, reductive about it. Um, in other words, the, the method of, you know, testing things, trying things out and, um testing them in a lab and Uranus is the sort of bolt of lightning inspiration but they work together really well I think if if you're willing to have both and one of the problems for a lot of Aquarians is getting stuck in the Saturn which in other words getting stuck in that um uh having very fixed ideas because this is a fixed air sign and you think and one of the kind of astrologers sort of sayings about Aquarius is that they're avant-garde when they're young and then when they're old they're out of date if you see what I mean not really (laughs) well quite often Aquarians seem to be very avant-garde when they're young they're like ahead of the times yes and then the times catch up with them and the times overtake Uh, them okay okay Okay, interesting. And that's and that's what I mean about how getting very having these very avant-garde ideas, these very forward-thinking ideas uh, in their youth and middle age, and then getting kind of fixated, fixed with them and stuck with them, and that's to do with being a fixed sign. I'm not saying all Aquarians do that, but I'm suggesting that that is an Aquarian issue. Yeah, interesting. There's, I mean, I I had a group of friends when I was younger. Um, we always used to hang out together. Um, there were so many, uh, so many Aquarians in that group. I mean, really quite interesting, a whole, you know, whole crowd of them. And I think the thing I noticed, this was like 30 years ago, is that some of them, there's a usefulness about them, I think. You know, they, even as they've got older, they're still kind of actually looking young and they're still acting young. And I'm thinking in particular of the ones who, you know, haven't settled down into sort of conventional life. They've not got married, had kids, you know, got proper jobs sort of things. And 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 in particular, there's a few in, who I'm thinking of who are still dating kind of in their 60s and 70s, actually, like they were when they were 20. <laughs> so they've not changed in that way. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm trying to say is that that you're you're ahead when you're young, but then the times catch up with you. And it could be like, oh, well, wait a second, you forgot to grow up. And it's not quite the Peter Pan thing that you get with Gemini. Although I think they have that, they do have that quality quite often of staying forever, you know, looking really young. Um, 
or ha- and having that kind of airy youthful sprightliness but i think that it's it can there's a good side and a bad side to it so it can be frustrating for their friends or their partners uh you know please just you know grow up a little bit um and it can also feel like hanging on to youth when actually you should be moving into the next stage yeah i yeah, agreed and the other thing i really always about my aquarian friends is because being a scorpio i love doing one-to-ones and my moon libra loves one-to-ones they'd always arrange to meet up but they still do this now they arrange to meet up you think oh great we're going to have a good catch-up haven't seen them for ages and then before you know it they've brought all these other people in and it's a group and it's like who are these people they're all new i don't know them and that again i just i mean it makes me laugh because it's such an aquarian thing to do they much prefer the group bringing people together getting new people involved um and that's <laughs> that's still going on now when i meet up with them it's a really friendly sign actually yeah. you know <laughs> although again also good at being alone and that's one of the weird things about aquarians is that we think of them as like this group sign but actually they're also quite often people who are quite happy in their own company um you know there's a kind of weird co- contrast there it's an amazingly complex sign i'm watching um the morning show on television at the moment, which is a series with starring Jennifer Aniston, who is a core, of course, an or Aquarian in some way. She's obviously got Libra rising. That's hence the great beauty and the, but she's got that youth, that youthful zinginess. Um, she's incredibly popular, which is again, an Aquarian quality. Aquarian, you know, having a bit of Aquarius in your chart is jolly useful if you want to do something like say run for president or, you know, if you want to do politics, it's a very political sign, um, because it's about the connections between people, right? That's what Aquarius is about, about these structures. Um, and Jennifer Aniston has been, you know, on the front covers of magazines for the last 30 years, you know? Uh, she's also an incredibly talented actress. So I'm very enjoying The Morning Show, which is like a part, it must have been written for her because she plays a TV anchor, which again, that's quite an Aquarian um, profession. Why? Because it's the anchor. It's that fixed thing. It's the anchor in it. But uh, broadcasting is is to do with the air, right? So those little ziggly lines that you see on, a you know, that symbolize Aquarius are about things flying through the air, whether that's electricity or words. Um, and she's amazingly good at it. It's like it, it, she's a very versatile actress anyway, with incredible comic timing, of course. And she became known for her role in Friends, didn't she? Which you couldn't think of a more Aquarian title for a, a TV show. I mean, that's, you know, it's their friends. It's the group, um, which seems to fit as well, doesn't it, for her? Yeah, she is a great actress. Um, the Aquarian I was thinking of, and and I know you know her, is Olga Tokarczuk. I think that's how you pronounce her name, and I'm sorry if it's not, who's a brilliant author and wrote a book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. And if anyone's not read that, do read it, because it's full of astrology as well. It's a thriller. It's really brilliant. Um, and she is, you know, she's she uses astrology within it, which is fantastic. Um, and I suppose also because Aquarius is often one of the signs that we think of, you know, when you're looking for the astrologer in a chart, what gives the signature of a chart. I mean, Aquarius is one of the star signs, isn't it, that, um, you know, is often associated with astrology because it's alternative. Um, it's kind of new age. 
I mean, do you think of Aquarius as, as that? Yeah, and I don't think it's because it's alternative and new age. I think it's because it's a methodology. Both. <laughs> it's both. Exactly. It's Uranian, right? So it's kind of new age. It's kind of, you have to make a choice as an astrologer not to be conventional because you're going to get a lot of people, if you're an astrologer, sneering at you and saying that you're some kind of crazy person to believe in this nonsense. I was about to say crap, crap, but I'm not sure that we can say that on this podcast. Anyway. Well, you've said it now too late. <laughs> I've said it now. I know. I've said it. I said it. But if you're going to do astrology, you have to be able to be Uranian, which is rebellious, right? But on the other hand, you also have to be Saturnian because you have to be methodical. You have to understand the math behind astrology. You have to understand the, um, you have to be step by step with it. You have to, and you also, and this is very Aquarian. Um, and I, so I do agree. I think Aquarius is an astrologer's sign for sure. I, I have Venus in Aquarius. And I think one of the reasons I always think it's, I love astrology. That's what that means. I love astrology, Venus in Aquarius. Um, so you, but you have to be able to synthesize and that is an Aquarian thing. And that's kind of why I suppose what we're trying to talk, sort of talking around with Aquarius is synthesizing these very different things, um, these very different energies, the Uranus-Saturn energy, getting that to synthesize is quite tricky. It's a difficult thing. But once you, when you do it, you get magic. And I think that there is a wizard quality to Aquarians when they're really, when they're getting, when they get everything going, integrating. And of course, like all normal people, you're, you go through phases of having everything working together beautifully and it's all integrated and your whole character, everything's great. And then it falls apart and then it comes back together and it falls apart. Um, and there, so there's a kind of rhythm to everybody's life. But Aquarians are wizards and that is also what astrologers are. You're a wizard when you're doing this, if you can get the synthesis going. And it's about synthesizing the whole chart. Um, and and that's why, you know, that's why we associate Aquarius with astrology. It's very um, right brain, left brain, isn't it? You need to, you need to have both. Um, it's, there's a craft in astrology, but then once you've learned the craft, then you need to be able to make those intuitive moves. And I think when just you were talking about Venus and Aquarius, which is your career planet, isn't it? My career planet is Saturn in Aquarius. So, you know, straight away, we both have that ability um, of Aquarius to do that. So we're moving into this very, um, I mean, it is a very Aquarius season, isn't it, coming up? It's interesting. I mean, Sun's moving into Aquarius and Pluto moves back into Aquarius um, the day after. So it's the 20th, 21st that you get both the Sun and Pluto moving into Aquarius. Um, so, so we are getting very Aquarian, although, as you kind of touched on, we've also got a lot of the inner planets still in Capricorn, haven't we? Mercury and Mars are both there as we move into Aquarius season. And we've also got Venus moving into Capricorn as well. So it's even though we're moving forward, even though there's this forward motion and let's, you know, let's go into Aquarius season. It's kind of like getting back out into the world in some way after Capricorn season, which is hibernation inner. It's like, and I can feel that too, wanting, you know, there's so much going on where I live and wanting to, to get involved socially and, and get to go into different groups and, and look at what next on that side of life. 
there's still this kind of um, process of finishing something off in Capricorn. That's that's a, a theme also of this month coming up. Yes, I'm just getting out the full script, full moon uh, chart for the 25th of Jan. I have to say, I mean, okay, let's let's just jump right in there and talk about Pluto and Aquarius. I know that everybody's been talking about this. You're probably sick to the back teeth of hearing about Pluto and Aquarius, but it's huge. Um, and you've probably been feeling the pull of this for a while now right? Uh, you know, listeners, you probably have been feeling the pull of Pluto going into Aquarius and leaving a lot of Capricorn junk behind. Um, you know, I was just noticing that uh, this Epstein thing has come up again, which is a, it's so Pluto in Capricorn, the whole Epstein scandal, you know, it pulls in me too, uh, abuse of power, it's a, an abuse of power, right? And that is one of the themes of Pluto in Capricorn is abuse of power and challenges to the abuse of power also. Um, and, and we've got this like last surge of this sort of disgusting um, Epstein. It's like sewage, isn't it? Coming, spreading across your newspaper. Uh, these people who are just garbage um, treating, treating other people as if they're disposable Um and that so these people are going to be left behind, you know. It's like flotsam and jetsam on the tide because the tide is now moving into Aquarius, and other stuff is happening. Um, and I have to say, one of the things that I really note also about this move of Pluto into Aquarius is two things about the coming year. One is that this is the biggest. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. This is the biggest year for elections ever, ever on the planet. Um, so millions and millions and millions of people, if not billions, are going to the polls. And that is incredible. Um, and at the same time, we're all worried that our democracies are in jeopardy. And that, again, is rather Aquarian. We've got these two opposite things, but they're both about how we govern and how we're equal and how we're fair and uh, how the structures work, right? And so they're both under threat. And empowered. And that is a plutonic feeling, that feeling of, and not, so we talk about Pluto as a planet of transformation, which it truly is, but it's also more, you know, that's how it works. It works by completely destroying and then rebuilding quite often, but also by challenging us and showing us the shadow, right? Showing us the shadow of democracy is kind of what we're seeing at the moment. And I, I, I think what's, uh, you know, there are various places in the world where we're really, really seeing this powerfully. And that's going to be a theme of the coming year and the coming 20 years, just to make you feel more relaxed about it. Because it's not just, oh, it's happening in 2024. And that's it. No, this is a process. Yeah. I mean, Pluto, it's, it's, you know, I often find you learn more about the planets when you're working with clients, obviously. Um, and, for me with Pluto, there is this, when you've got Pluto strong in your chart very often, there can be themes of power and control going on. And quite often, you know, you, you, you get people who are, who find that they're sort of the victims of power, the victims of domination when Pluto's strong. However, there's this thing with Pluto that 
it's kind of calling you to be empowered. It's calling you to step into your power. So you're the one who harnesses that power. And I think that's a really important way to to think about Pluto as well, more on a personal level, I suppose, um, moving forward. It's about how you can empower yourself, isn't it? And how you can sort of embody the archetype of Pluto. And I think that's really important for people who've got planets in early degrees Aquarius coming up because you're going to have Pluto on those planets or those points. Yeah, no, I was going to say this this kid who's a darts player here who's 16, who's just uh, not quite won. He nearly won the whole world championship, right? So the, he would have been the youngest ever. He is the youngest ever uh, to get that far, I think. Anyway, I think his son is either at one or at zero of Aquarius. So he already is feeling that. Um, and it's interesting, actually, funnily, you know, watching back to Jennifer Aniston, you know, she's playing this incredibly powerful uh, role. Um, so it'll be interesting watching um, what happens to Aquarians who are in the news also and seeing how this takes them. But I agree, Pluto is both empowering and disempowering. It's an extraordinary thing. You know, we like to think things are all one way. But actually, I think if you are a let, let yourself feel that Pluto power. And it's not whether it's bad or good, it's how you wield it that's bad or good, you know, as the human being with the Pluto behind you, because you haven't really got control of it. You're kind of, it's like you're on a tide and you have to um, go with something, but it's how you go with it that's important. So a lot of people are going to be feeling this right away. Uh, these Aquarians are going to be feeling it right away because you get the sun and Pluto coming in together right in this early, you know, at the end of January. And so you'll get a taste of what this, what this is going to be like. And, you know, there will be things like people, people may offer you um, a lot of money. I mean, for example, this darts kid, he's going to be offered a lot of money. He is. He is. And that's a plutonic as well. Big ton of money or big ton of power or a big gun. You know, you're going to be offered that. And it's what you do with it that's the important thing. Yeah, it's it, because it's the underworld, isn't it, too? You know, it's there's this, this being, you know, literally Pluto, god of the underworld. And Plutonic themes are often, you know, there can be the lure of money and power through corruption, through, you know, treading in the underworld. So, so yeah, and I think that's a kind of little bit of theme that runs throughout the outer planets. It's how you use them, actually. Um, and how you wield them. So, I mean, this, you know, the full moon that's coming up on the 25th of Jan is interesting. I mean, it's got the sun is at five Aquarius by then and Pluto at zero Aquarius. So they are conjunct, but the sun's moving away. But we're still going to be feeling the power of that Pluto on this full moon, um, definitely. So it's perhaps going to be an interesting full moon for Scorpios as well, Pluto being your ruling planet. It's in Aquarius, it's in the fourth house. So it is this theme of, you know, it's about your past, your legacy. Um, there may be power games going on within, you know, within your family, actually, or there may be sort of endings, end of a chapter, end of a significant chapter when it's the point right at the base of your horoscope. So I think this full moon is going to kind of show a, shine a spotlight on things, particularly for Scorpios um, at this full moon. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I think that it, all the um, fixed signs, it's going to be important. I have to say, I think it's pretty important for Leo 
it's you know it's you're the moon at, at this point leo it's your moon and i think that one thing i would say to leo's is that you're not the one with the power at this full moon but you may be feeling very emotional and you also may feel slightly under attack um you might, or you might notice that your partner is becoming more powerful, or they have stepped into a new role, or they've stepped into shoes, and you suddenly actually can feel that in your waters. You know, you feel that emotionally, and that could be really great, actually. If your if your partner or uh, becomes more powerful, more the person they're supposed to be, more authentic. Because I think one of the things about Pluto is authenticity. It's about burning away all the stuff that's not real um, and telling the truth because it's a truth-telling planet. And, uh, you know, one thing that may happen for Leos, for example, at this one, is someone may tell you a hard truth, but that's actually very, very useful. Um, you know, the other sign that this is this this full moon is really important for is Taurus. And of course, Taurus has been having a hell of a ride in the last six months, you know, up, down, uh, expansive, contracting, you know, it's been a really amazing time for Taurians. And this full moon makes an exact, you know, uh, square to Jupiter in Taurus. So it's really kind of pinging that Jupiter that has already been uh, had an incredible effect on Taurians. And you may find yourself in a position, I would say, for Taurus, of, say, may, being a judge, of having to choose, of having to make a choice, maybe between your family and your career, or something really important, you're going to have to, you may be finding that you really weigh up two opposite, two different paths. It's like the lover's card in tarot. I'm interested in actually what you were saying about Pluto, about the truth-telling side of Pluto. Because for me, I mean, Jupiter is the planet of truth. And Pluto, I know, you know, also being a Scorpio, there's a side of Pluto that is very secretive and wants to keep cards close to the chest and, and can be, you know, can have a really manipulative side. Um, you know, there's a strategizing I think that goes on with Pluto. So I'm not sure if it's truth telling. I have to say secretive is not the same as lying. Um, so you may not tell all the truth, right? But you're, so you're good at, you know, chesting your cards, basically. Of course, that's a famous Scorpio thing, isn't it? It's being able to hold a secret. But I also think that it's, a planet that demands the truth. And I find, for example, with clients, if they have Pluto rising, uh, which I quite surprisingly often get people with Pluto rising, I often find that they're the kind of people who will blurt out the truth that is ugly, right? They have, and they have learned how to not do that since childhood, not to be the person who kind of spots the the difficult thing. And when you're a child, you might say this out loud, right? Um, but as an adult, you probably have learned to conceal that ability. And I also think that there is a penetration, a penetrating quality about Pluto that penetrates into what's really underneath things, which is also about the truth. So, you, I mean, this may not be something that you recognize with Pluto, but I would say that Pluto, really Pluto people come into a room and they will see the undercurrents 
of what's happening between people in a psychological way that may be quite uncomfortable and that they may have learned not to express out loud, but they are seeing those threads between people. I have got a first house Pluto, so I'm sort of, that's, you know, but, uh, but I, yeah, no, I think that Pluto is about, I do think that there's a lot of truth to Pluto, um, which makes people uncomfortable. I think it's it's the, the the word truth doesn't fit easily with me i have to say i mean it's good that we're discussing this because we're going into pluto season um i mean for me integrity i like the word integrity and i think for me pluto is about excavating it will excavate the truth and bring things to the surface um but I still think it has a sneaky quality to it. Yeah, there's a manipulative quality to it. And that's also because they're seeing the, the real situation much more clearly than other people quite often, really Pluto people. So they're seeing the psychological connections between people, which means that they can be very manipulative, which is actually the true situation, right? One of the, one of the problems is always seeing the dark side if you're a very Plutonic person. So you're always thinking that other people are just as manipulative as you or just as, as, as uh, it's like you see, you, you have x-ray vision, you're seeing the bones of things and not everybody is seeing that. Some of us are seeing like the surface prettiness and that's also a completely valid way of seeing the world. Um, so it gives, so I think, yeah, it's x-ray specs, I would say Pluto. And one of the interesting things about this full moon, back to the full moon is that it's the full moon in Leo, right? So who is, what is Leo ruled by? Leo is ruled by the sun. Um, so it's a very important, you know, it's a moment when Leo may, may feel very powerless in a way because their, their sun is in the opposite sign. It's an Aquarius and it's overcome by Pluto. So I would suggest that Leo's particular pay attention to this full moon and you might feel disempowered around it. And that could literally be your health. It's interesting because also at this full moon, I mean, Pluto, like you say, it is the dark, isn't it? It's the dark um, darkness. And again, as Scorpios, you can go into that dark negativity. And I think the best way, sometimes if you can't, as a Scorpio, feel the, you know, you can't find the light yourself. So you need someone else to bring in the light. So at this full moon, we've got the sun shining next to Pluto and Jupiter, you know, is Jupiter is there making this connection. And I often think of, you know, Jupiter, it rules Sagittarius, the sign after Scorpio. So from this sort of deep inner time moving through Scorpio, you go into Sagittarius season ruled by Jupiter and you're out in the world. It's like you can see you've got expanse. It's not so kind of hidden and constrained. So the, the, this full moon, actually, even though Pluto's there, I see it as quite a celebratory full moon too, you know, the sun and moon at five degrees, moving to the square of Jupiter at six degrees. So they're kind of trying to get away from Pluto and they're bringing things out into the light. For me, this full moon's very much about, you know, really looking um, for the bright side and celebrating what's good in life. It gives a real opportunity to do that. And I like that for the fire signs, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, as it's a moon in fire, Leo. It's kind of, you know, being able to to look at what's positive and, and go a bit over the top even with Jupiter square this full moon too. Oh, gosh. We're just 
disagreeing with each other today, aren't we, Sally? <laughs> this is most unusual. We're often we're really often on the same page. That's okay. I'm pretty cautious around this full moon. And by the way, I think the whole of the end week of January is really good after this full moon. But at the full moon itself, because there's lots of um, other stuff, there's all these uh, amazing earthy trines going on, right? So it's really good. And other for it's different for different signs, right? So, for example, for Taurus, you know, Venus is going to be making really nice aspects to Jupiter for the whole of this last week of um, January. And, uh, you know, even um, uh, and Mars and Mercury are making great aspects to Uranus and Taurus. So there's this fantastic earthy um, trine. So that's good for Virgo and Capricorn and Taurus in particular, but also for the water signs, you know, because actually it hooks in with Saturn and Pisces really beautifully, that um, Jupiter. So it's all pinging around in this last week of sort of practical change. But I think the full moon itself, I find that square from Jupiter can be excessive. Um, I think that the, and so there's a danger of like excess. And I think that the Pluto sun conjunction, you know, it, it may be good for some people, like Aquarians. I don't see wh- why not, why that wouldn't possibly be quite empowering. Um, but I think that that for certain other signs, that there's um, that you should shouldn't you should be careful not to overdo it at this full moon. Okay. Well, yeah, possibly. <laughs> or you go for it. I mean, there's you know, Jup- I like Jupiter even in square in an opposition. Um, and it is actually, interestingly, it's currently pretty close opposite my son in Scorpio. So maybe that's why I'm kind of, you know, it's it, obviously it's what we've got going on in our own charts as well, isn't it? Um, and and for me, the, the Jupiter is calling out into the world. It's like, just just go for it. Sometimes we need a little, you know, catalyst to be a bit, be a bit wild, a bit excitable. Um so I mean, yeah, I I I I think of this as a celebratory full moon, but that's okay. People can report back and let us know how was it for you, <laughs> what what happened on this, you know, what happened on this full moon, um, and just to say, I do, you know, this I do like the end of Jan as well because there is, as you said, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, and one thing I do want to mention is that you know once Uranus turns direct on January the twenty seventh then all of the planets are in forward motion throughout February, throughout March, until Mercury turns retrograde again on April the 1st. So like we mentioned about the start of this year, there's something kind of pulling forward that can't stop us. I kind of feel like that is going more and more in the first few months of this year. So yes, I I agree that there's a lot of really good stuff at the end of January and that to um, and that you're not going to be, you're going to be compelled to push things forward, basically. There's not really much choice about it. Um, so, and to ride the, ride the earthy wave. So do the practical things that you can do um, and to try not to get uh, dragged into um, intellect, you know, to, to sort of air arguments, you know. Do the practical stuff and the emotional work. Uh, and you know where is the you know in I I like the Saturn in Pisces um, because it's still making a sextile to Jupiter, it and it's making a sextile to Venus, 
um, for most of that, you know, for that first week, that end January, beginning of February. And that suggests to me practical compassion. It's also just for people who are interested in asteroids, um, Saturn and Hygieia are also working together. They're making conjunction in Pisces. Um, so you may find that, it's, for example, if you're a Pisces, that you, you're having to do, you're doing some really practical healing. Um, you're, do, you're making, you know, I, I don't know, you're going and working for a charity uh, or um, something like that. There's actually really boots on the ground. Um, and there, I think there's a lot of boots on the ground charity work that is going on. I, I follow the um, World Kitchen who are, uh, that's a group that's, a, it's an American charity that goes and cooks for people when there's a disaster. So they're in Japan at the moment and in Gaza, and I think in Ukraine as well. And, you know, I can see that actual practical compassion that is actually helpful to people and not just talking, um, really is really effective, actually, in the coming months. But you can see it around this, this full moon. And this end of January period and into February. And I think that what's one of the things we're going to be called upon to do is to really work out what's useful. Yeah. And that is, you know, the, that's what the earth signs are so good at, aren't they? They're, they're really good at getting things done. I mean, I find it, you know, there's, we've got this little trio of planets, Venus, Mercury and Mars, all in Capricorn. And they kind of, they'll all move on from Capricorn during this season. So, Mercury moves on February the 5th, Mars leaves Capricorn February 13th, Venus leaves Capricorn February 16th. So, you know, there is this kind of wrapping up theme as well going on in Capricorn. I mean, it's been such a powerful time. And that may be kind of, you know, needing to sort of negotiate things, talk things through, sort things out wherever Capricorn falls in your chart. And probably very important for Capricorn yourself. I mean, it may be that you've got these long-term goals and you're getting other people, um, you know, working alongside you. So that's what I'm kind of thinking of, this gathering team around you. So, you know, it's sort of this move between Capricorn Aquarius. It's doing the practical stuff, but it's not doing it on your own. It's gathering a team around you. Yeah, I agree about the teamwork. Yeah, very much so with Aquarius, isn't it? I think also just to be aware that you know, there is this wrapping up going on in Capricorn. We are going to have Pluto back in Capricorn September 2nd to November 19th. It dips back into 29 Capricorn. But it's really important what's what you're putting in place now, I think, that can um, finalize matters or bring things to some kind of completion later in the year. So again, note where Capricorn falls because it's that sign is still wanting to be important, actually. It's still wanting to you know, be foreground um, as we move into Aquarius season. So it's kind of long-term goals and then working, getting your team. I loved what you said about the World Kitchen, those kind of charity, um, on-the-ground charities. It feels very kind of pertinent for now. We've got the new moon on February the 9th coming up, which is in Aquarius, and it's a lively one. There's this real sense of um, aliveness going on. I mean, the the full moon, Jupiter and Uranus, we need to talk about them in a way because they're both active this month, very much so. And as Christina was saying a bit, because as things move through Capricorn, they're making trine aspects to both Jupiter in Taurus and Uranus in Taurus. 
And we are going to have this amazing Jupiter-Uranus conjunction on April the 21st in Taurus, which only happens once every 13 years. And I think we both agree it's really exciting. It's, you know, the when Jupiter and Uranus come together, there's themes of freedom and liberation. Um, those two planets together are often a symbol of the entrepreneur. So things can happen. There's like a big vision. Uranus brings that spontaneity. And they, you know, it's kind of wherever that falls in your chart, there's this ability to take a risk or take a leap of faith. And even though the conjunction's coming in April, we're kind of feeling it this month as well with all these earthy trines taking place and the lunations as well, actually, because Jupiter was square, the full moon. And during the new moon in Aquarius on February the 9th, Uranus is square, the sun and moon. So they're both very active, those two planets this month, aren't they, Christina? They are. Um, and, you know, one of the things I want to sort of mention for the next, you know, in February, in February into this Aquarius season is that as each of those fast moving planets moves into Aquarius, of course, they make the conjunction with Pluto. So they're like tidying up in Capricorn after Pluto's left, and then they're greeting Pluto at the threshold. And Pluto is guarding the threshold of Aquarius. Um, and and as each one of those planets greets him, I I think it's interest. It'll be interesting for, for the signs that are ruled by that planet. So, for example, uh, there's the Mercury Pluto conjunction. I haven't got the date for that. I have. Um, it's February the fifth. I've got the date. So that's when Mercury meets Pluto. And that'll be interesting for particularly for Gemini and Virgo. It's like you're meeting with with Pluto as this new Pluto in his new outfit, you know, in his silver shiny Aquarian outfit with the dealy boppers on his head, you know, looking, feeling very different. Um, and so just notice who you're talking to around that day. And then Mars will come in and meet Pluto as well. And that's uh, Scorpio and Aries. What happens? What date is that, Sally? Well, I'd just like to say that date is February the 14th. It's Valentine's, which isn't the most romantic little duo for Valentine's, is it? No, but it could be really sexy. Could be sexy. Mars-Pluto conjunctions can be very sexy. Uh, but, I, you know, again, sex, sex, you know, sex and violence. That's Mars-Pluto, isn't it? Sex and violence. Not so great, I think. Just be wary on that date, that, that Mars-Pluto. And don't, you know, don't arrange your romantic dates on February the 14th this year. Choose another date. There's got to be better dates than that one, personally. I would say don't arrange them with a stranger in particular or someone that you've, you know, it's... it's um... Then Venus goes into uh, Aquarius. What's the date of that? February 17th, the conjunction. February 17th. And again, that, you know, that's really important for um, Libra and Taurus. It's like, oh, okay, this is, you know, now we're, we're going to see, we're going to meet what this Pluto and Aquarius is, what this means. Obviously for Taurus, it's, it's actually really important. It's on your kind of, uh, the foundations of your life are going to be completely transforming over the next 20 years, but this is the beginning of it. Um, is that the foundations? No, it's the other no, way. No, it's 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 career. It's career. It's the the peak for Taurus. Um, yeah, Scorpio. It's foundations. Scorpio. It's foundations. But so for Taurus, it's really important. And Taurus, you've got 
it's ha- it's such an important year because you've got the Jupiter in your sign plus the Pluto going into your midheaven. So what does that mean? That means something about your status, about your career is transforming. And you might get a big opportunity, actually, as Venus makes that conjunction with Pluto. So don't forget that Pluto is empowering and it can maybe giving a little bit of power to each of those planets as they go past. Yeah, and I think it is, you know, there's, I mean, we were talking a bit about Pluto has such a bad press, such a bad press. And there is a destructive nature to Pluto. We know that. Um, but like when it was going through Capricorn, you know, it's the, it, it, we had the Plutocrats. It turns people into billionaires too. It's all about power and money. Um, so also when you've got Pluto, it is about empowering. It's about stepping into your power. It's about really kind of, it can give you steeliness. It can give you laser focus. So, you know, it's with these powerful Pluto conjunctions, look at where they fall in your horoscope. And it may be that you've got someone in your life who's powerful, who's in a position of influence, who can kind of bring something into your life. Or it may be that you're the one who can be empowered, you know, within within um, an area of your life and, and step into your power and really get steely and focused. I mean, that's another good way um, of using Pluto to kind of really use him to, and also not to give up as well. I think with Pluto, you know, there is a sense that he can close the door on things, but he can really help you kind of hone your skills, keep things going. There's, there can be this relentless nature about Scorpio. I mean, you know, I know that when I need to get stuff done, get work done, I can just hone in on it and power through and complete it. And I think that's another aspect of Pluto. It can, you know, it's not sort of wifty, wafty, sort of, you know, shallow at all. It gives you that depth of focus, um, honing in on things moving forward. And it's interesting that um, that we're going to have the Mars-Pluto conjunction on the 14th of February. And, and later in the year, we're going to have a Mars-Pluto opposition. I, I do think this is very warlike. There is a negative side to it. I'm an- slightly anxious about that. But, you know, there it has a definite warlike aspect to it, that Mars-Pluto conjunction at the beginning of Aquarius. Wow, what a month coming up. And uh, so all of that movement. So if you think of the month as a movement from Capricorn, into Aquarius. It's still ongoing, right? So at the beginning of this Aquarius season, we have the move of Pluto and the sun, but we still have these other planets trailing behind. But by the end of this Aquarius season, pretty much most of the planets have moved into Aquarius, except for Ceres, of course, um, who is going to be in Capricorn for quite a long time this year. The asteroid Ceres, which is the, um, who is kind of I would say not exactly Pluto's nemesis, but definitely a pl- an asteroid that you, that is, I think, equal to Pluto um, and mythologically definitely equal to Pluto. She's one of the only, as Demeter, she's one of the only people who actually negotiates with Pluto and comes up with a deal. So there may be some, you know, some deal, big deal making actually, to do with this end of Pluto and Capricorn, that stuff getting finished off. And I have been watching, for example, the sort of Trump things going on because he is very 
much Pluto and Capricorn person. Although incredibly luckily, lucky in his astrology for the coming year. Yeah, he's got, yeah. I mean, Jupiter, he's a Gemini, so Jupiter moves into Gemini and he's got Taurus midheaven, so he's got the Jupiter Uranus. So let's see what happens with him. He could luck his way out of things with that. We'll have to see. Just to pull, go back to the new moon, because we kind of um, didn't talk a lot about this new moon on February the 9th. I mean, it is in a very close square to Uranus. The sun and moon are separating from it in Aquarius. So there's a very Aquarian energy at this new moon. Um, It's the sort of beginnings that are like a bit mad and crazy, isn't it? Impulsive. It's like if there's something that, I don't know, you could just leap into things on this new moon. Whether that's a good thing to do depends what it is a little bit, I think. Um, Because there's a fast pace to it. It's like, right, I've just had enough of something that's been holding me back. I'm going to break out and move forward. I mean, it could be relationship oriented for Leo. Well, the big fixed signs again. I mean, there's you know, we've got so much in fixed signs at the moment, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, and these full moons are really kind of triggering those fixed signs who don't like change. So maybe it needs this kind of catalyst of the new moon to like, okay, leap into something new. It is a catalyst. And I think catalyst is the word here um, because it's, it's Uranus, which is the catalyst planet. And it's making a very dynamic aspect to the new moon. And it's like, right, we're going to leave this stuff behind and now we can get, now we can go. And there's a sort of, I feel like there's quite a clear run from this um, new moon onwards. I would suggest, you know, as a sort of general piece of advice that, that people should be getting, you know, getting organized for a very active spring, you know, an active season coming up even before that. I mean, it's active from now, from January. Um, so you need to keep or stay organized, I suppose. So it's not like stay at home and get organized, but keep your organization pucker, you know, because you're going to have a lot to do. And this applies to, to most people are going to be really busy. Um, and you may, and it's about setting priorities and prioritizing the things that are important and just dropping those things that actually don't have to be done. So, don't feel that you have to do everything under this. It's quite big picture stuff in a way. Um, you don't have to deal with all the details. You just need to keep going, right? Um, and actually, as you were saying earlier, which I really agree with, where's your team? Don't feel that you have to do everything yourself, right? The more people you can get involved with whatever projects you have, and that means either family, friends, team, teams at work, all of those things, um, the more people you can get involved, the better, the easier to be. So spread the burden. Um, this is one of the, I would say, one of the significant things about this period, this coming period. Um, I'm also just thinking about some of the other signs because we've talked a lot about these, about the fixed signs, right? And even, and also some of the Earth signs. We've discussed how actually this is, especially before all the planets go into Aquarius as the planets are going through Capricorn, this is really good for getting things smoothly taking off, right? It's like a really smooth takeoff into 2024. But I was just going to say, can I just say about uh, sort of for, for Libra and Gemini, you're suddenly getting all of this uh, very positive 
energy, Libra and Gemini, coming from Aquarius, coming smoothly at you, you know, how are you going to, you don't have to use it necessarily, but you'll find yourself propelled forward in a smooth way. Um, I like it, you know, and especially for, you know, when Venus goes into um, Aquarius, I think this is really useful. We're moving from, it's kind of benefiting the earth signs and then the air signs, isn't it, throughout this month. And I just want to, with this new moon as well, because I'm interested, I mean, at the new moon, Venus and Mars, the lovers are still in Capricorn. And I'm really intrigued for Cancer, what this is about this new moon, because, you know, the moons are so important. You're ruled by the moon. Um, and I wonder whether this is kind of being able to break break free from a partnership that's kind of felt a bit heavy or intense that you've not been able to do that with a personal, professional, financial, whatever. But there's, it may be that it's a time when you, you are ready to kind of break out of that um, as we move out of Capricorn season um, and really into, you know, Aquarius season almost kind of takes over this month more towards the end of the month. And then we're really in it and, you know, can I endorse that? I really agree about uh, for cancer, cancer rising, that this, you may have been in a sort of in some kind of enslavement or so. That's a big word to use. Yeah, it is. But in well. a relationship where you had very little power or no power or nothing, and you're moving out of that, and this is the first new moon out of that, right? And you're just finishing some stuff off. I actually had a client the other day who, it wasn't a relationship with a person. It was with a company. And it's finishing. It's done, right? She's moving on. Um, and this new moon is really going to be that. That's that, right? This is the first breath. It's like, and also one of the things about Capricorn, going from Capricorn into Aquarius is like, Capricorn is all about climbing the mountain. Aquarius is about being on top of the mountain and breathing that fresh air. And it's like this blast of fresh air is coming in with in February as each of us get these lungfuls of new fresh air. Um, and I, for, and also for Gemini, I think it's quite interesting, you know, that that this is a very nice angle that Pluto is going to be for you for the next gazillion years. Um, you know, bringing you kind of ideas, travel, uh, transformative um, teachers, or, you know, it's a really nice angle. And you may again begin to, to feel that. It may be that you start some kind of course that's incredibly exciting for you, or move to another country that's amazing and opens opens your eyes. You know, there's stuff that's happening. So for Geminis, really look at the big picture, you know, Go think big, think wide, uh, and I would say also for Taurians. By the way, back to my the Taurus having this on the mid heaven. Think big, you know. Go for the huge job. Uh, go for the job for the huge person, um, and think about how this new power that's coming in, how you're going to wield it. Same with Aquarians. Think big at this point and at this new moon, and also. Although we're talking about these months and this period as very quite busy, fast, because everything's moving direct, don't get the bums right. You know, you don't have to be rushed into things because this is unfolding and unfolding 
situation. It's a flowering. It's a blossoming. Yeah, don't be rushed into things. But if you want to rush into things yourself, do it, I think, this month. There's a sense of being able to, you know, throw off the shackles and actually leap into something new. And that's, you know, both, I mean, both lunations are kind of emphasizing that with Jupiter and Uranus for me. Um, they're both emphasizing that. And this real, you know, significant shift of Pluto again, bringing something dramatic and huge, as you say. I mean, I think huge is epic, maybe even, um, as, as, as we really feel this sort of transitional phase, almost from one life to the next. You know, Pluto, again, going back to the Scorpio theme, is it's often the survivor and often go through complete changes, complete changes of life, complete chapters, different chapters in life. So it's it's a big, exciting month coming up. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to what arises. Yeah, I am too. I'm looking forward to forward to 2024. Actually, um, you know, it's a it's a year with of massive change and transformation. Um, and and it really begins. It's begun already in January, and it's just accelerates into February. And actually, you know, we need some change in transformation. And that Jupiter Uranus conjunction in April. There's a, I, like all astrology. There's a bad, you know, good and bad side to it. But you know, in we're feeling it now um, because, and we'll feel it through this month coming up because all of those planets will aspect first Jupiter and then Uranus. So they're doing, they're connecting the two, um, all the planets in Capricorn. And then they'll start doing it again from Aquarius. So they do a beautiful, smooth trine and then dynamic square. It's like, boom, boom, you know, like, uh, and these are, these, this conjunction is a conjunction that, that magnifies change, right? So it can be good or it can be bad. I mean, there's bound to be earth, probably earthquakes and stuff like that, I think, because of the, it's in earthy uh, Taurus, right? Um, but there's also going to be earthquakes in our own lives that might be necessary. We we need upheaval. We need change. Um, we need the, the doors being flung open and they're being flung, flung open right from the start of this year. Well, I guess that wraps up the month, Sally. Um, unless you have anything desperate that you desperately need to add. I don't think so. I think I think we've we've said quite a lot. There's definite feel of excitement going on. So um so yeah, thank you everybody for listening in and we look forward to talking with you again. We'll be back next month with Pisces season, but don't forget our little astrology talk investigate. I think the next one's on retrograde planets and what they mean in the birth chart. So see you again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.